Did you ever feel like what you learned in law school didn't prepare you for the world of running a law practice? Law school didn't teach us how to start our practices the right way so that we could scale them into a thriving business. We didn't learn how to make sure that our businesses would meet our financial goals and provide the type of lifestyle we deserve. After 10 years, I was fed up with struggling in my practice and decided to begin a journey to scaling a successful practice that would actually allow me to finally live the life I've always dreamed of. I invite you to listen in on the conversations I'm having with some of the most successful solo and small firm practitioners, along with leading business entrepreneurs, and share how I am implementing what I am learning, all with the goal of helping you take control of your practice and your life. This is The Law Entrepreneur. Welcome, Law Entrepreneurs, to Episode 33 of The Law Entrepreneur. My name is Neil Tyra, your host as always. Today's episode is brought to us by Spotlight Branding, helping to build your internet foundation. The folks at Spotlight Branding assist you in creating and maintaining your website, design and content, electronic newsletter, social media management, your blog and video on your website. So visit our website at thelawentrepreneur.com slash resources and click on spotlightbranding.com to learn more. We're also brought to you by Market Circle, makers of Daylight, a fantastic suite of Mac and iOS applications that help your small business grow. Daylight is a generalized customer relations management or CRM tool, but it's much more than that for your practice. It is really your practice management software platform. Again, visit our website at thelawentrepreneur.com slash resources and click on Daylight to learn more. Today's episode, we have as my guest, Dana Busey Miller. Dana is an attorney who uh, practices in the Baltimore area, and she graduated from the American University Washington College of Law with her JD and subsequently took a LLM in taxation from the University of Baltimore. She's been a solo for a little while now, not too long. Uh, But I think you're going to hear some interesting things uh, about how she established her practice and how she markets her practice. Uh, And in particular, one thing that I thought was extraordinarily interesting was how she has developed these fixed price legal services packages that she markets as discrete units. So I think that's uh, really pretty interesting. And so without further delay, let's have a listen to Dana Busey Miller. Hey there, Dana. Welcome to The Law Entrepreneur. Thanks so much for having me, Neil. Well, it's a pleasure, and I I'm, I'm appreciate you taking the time to be with me today. Dana, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, how you came to be, and what uh, your law practice is all about. Sure. So I am a Maryland licensed attorney. I started out doing political science and psychology, which basically guaranteed I had to go to grad school. And it was a toss-up for me between neuropsychology and law. I felt kind of torn to both, but law went out. I did my JD at American, and then I graduated in 2011. I focused there mostly on business law, and I took a lot of tax courses. And then in 2014, I decided to go back and do my tax LLM at the University of Baltimore. And I graduated with that in 2015. And then I was working at a law firm and just realized that I would enjoy working for myself a lot more. And I left there in January of this year and started my solo practice, DM Law, which is based out of Pasadena, Maryland. 
And how would you describe your current practice? So my current practice is primarily transactional. We don't do much in terms of litigation. I focus on business, tax, and estate planning. And I primarily work with artists, creative entrepreneurs, and startup businesses. Interesting. So what drew you to that segment of the um, population? I would consider myself to be a creative. That's sort of my passion project on the side. I make jewelry and I come from a very artistic family. And those are sort of the people that I find myself connecting with and being friends with and enjoy being around. And the fact that I get to serve them as clients is just truly amazing. It's like for the first time in my life, I'm just in love with practicing law again just because of the subject matter that I get to deal with all day. Now, when you were in your uh, the firm coming out of law school, uh, did you not cater to that type of clientele? So it was a little interesting for me with how my career path went because I had to have neurosurgery three weeks after the bar exam. Oh, dear. And I took about a year off from practicing law to recover from that. And I was an editor in that time just to prove to myself I could commute again. And then kind of dipped in and out of legal jobs until I started with a law firm full-time again last year. And that was a very general practice firm. So I was dealing with anything and everything you can imagine. Um, Consumer finance issues, veterans affairs, a little bit with businesses, but not as much as I'd like. Toward the end, I was promoted to the supervising attorney of their small business division. And that's when I was sort of hustling and making things happen to build up my ideal practice. And then when I left, it just opened the floodgates. So was it the nature of the law or the environment of the practice or all of the above that motivated you to consider going solo? I wanted to have more control over my caseload. That was a big factor for me. I wanted to be able to exercise more discretion in where I was spending my time and energy and making sure that the types of cases that I was taking on aligned with my professional goals. And that was really what pushed me to take the jump. Yeah, I was in kind of the same position. I love the firm that I was working at. You know, there are times that, you, you see a case differently, and it's hard to be passionate about working a case that you don't really feel supportive of. And when you work for someone, you don't really have a choice. And that's okay. one, put that file on your desk and say go. Yeah, and so that's one of the I think the attractive features of being a solo or you know, you know small firm practitioner is that you can really align your caseload with your personal and moral values. And by definition, that has to lead to uh, greater job satisfaction, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Like I said, I, I mean, I've always enjoyed being a lawyer, but I haven't really loved the day-to-day practice of law until I went out and started working for myself. So tell us about that decision when you made the the decision to go solo. How did you go about doing it? What um, what was your ramp up and, and your your runway like? And, and how did you manage that process? Oh my goodness. So there was 
not a lot of ramp up. It was sort of a straw that broke the camel's back kind of decision. I had been playing around with it in my mind for a while. And then there were just a a series of events, one thing after another within a couple weeks. And one day I went into work and I just had had it. And I made three phone calls. I made a call to my husband, a call to my mom, and then a call to the place I used to work in case I failed and I needed to go back somewhere would they have me. And then after I made those three calls, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. And I went and put in my two weeks notice. Who was the most supportive, husband, mom, or former employer? All of them were, but my husband by far is one of my biggest cheerleaders. He is the first to tell me to follow my gut and follow my instincts and that he knows that I can hustle and make it happen. Good for him. Good for you. Yeah. So, um, so all right. So you make this decision and, and you know, I find in, in talking with folks on this podcast that people fall into one of two categories. They're... They're either plan their escape for uh, you know some period of time and put all the pieces in place and try and make it as seamless a transition as possible, or else it's just something that was always rummaging around in the back of their mind and something makes them decide you know what now now or never and they jump over the side of the lifeboat and make that decision to go. So um, it's interesting to see that 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 you fall in the latter as opposed to the former group. Definitely in the latter camp there. So you make this decision to go. What next? What happened after that? So everything happened pretty quickly from there. Um, As soon as I had put in my notice, I started putting the pieces together. Within, I think, 48 hours, I had put in for my LLC. I contacted a malpractice insurance carrier, had the name and things like that all together. And... Then I was trying to figure out where I was going to operate from. So I knew I didn't want to be working solely out of my house. And I know virtual law practices are definitely becoming more widely accepted. But with the people I was meeting, a lot of them want to meet face-to-face. And I was trying to figure out office space. And I was looking at the office share type arrangements. Have you ever seen those where you can like have an address and then rent the conference rooms by the hour? Yeah, that's exactly what I do. Yeah, I was looking into that. And then I happened to post on Facebook about this new venture that I was going on. And a friend of a friend was a paralegal for a lawyer who was renting a second office in his space. He's also a solo. And the stars just aligned and I went over and I talked to him and he was able to give me a really great deal on the space. He just was trying to get a little extra money toward the mortgage. And he was excited to have someone to bounce ideas off of. And I was getting a mentor out of it and it just worked out perfectly. Well, that's outstanding. Now, um, is it in an office building? You said a mortgage is a property that he owns or? He owns the building and the front part of the building has our office and our, our our offices and the conference room. And then the back of the building is residential and has apartment units. Oh, and so and he leases out the apartment units as yes. well? Oh, so it's both an, uh, an investment vehicle and a, a business operation location for him. Yes. Oh, that's, that's, that's pretty Very savvy. Yeah, very savvy. And how about your practices aligned? Do they overlap or, or is there... Um, They overlap a little bit. We both do estate planning. 
but his is primarily family law oriented and civil small claims type cases. And then I do mostly business and tax. So we do a lot of referring back and forth to each other, which is great. Sure. No, it sounds like sounds like a nice fit and and a comfortable environment. So tell us a little bit about the office setup. You you said he was uh, renting out an office space, so you took that space, and you have a conference room. Do you do you share staff or any other resources? Yeah, so we have the two our two offices, sort of our shared file spaces, a conference room, and then there is a paralegal that primarily works for him. But if I need something, I can ask for help too, which is nice. And for the last, I guess, five months, we've had an intern. So it was a college student, and then right now we have a high school intern around the office who's helping out. Great, and so they can help with some of the um, more administrative tasks to keep the office running smoothly and allow you to focus more on the legal matters. Yes, we could not do it without them. <laughs> so it sounds like having made that decision and a couple of fortuitous uh, little things falling into place, uh, you were pretty quickly on your feet and had, had your doors open. Yes, I put in my notice around mid-January and I opened the doors of my practice on February 1st. Oh, really? So a couple of three weeks. It was it was a really quick turnaround. That's awesome. And um, were you, did you take any clients with you? Did you have a whole bunch of clients waiting in the wings, just couldn't wait till you became a solo? Or did you open the door and then say, now what? So I wasn't able to take clients with me because I wasn't able to discuss with them what I was doing and where I was going. Um, the firm kind of <laughs> kiboshed that. Yep. And I did have a couple clients ready to go as soon as I opened the doors. Though. So when people heard I was going out on my own, they're like, yes, we want to make an appointment with you. Let us know when you're up and running. So within the first week of opening my doors, I was landing clients. Well, that's good that you had them lined up. It, it helps you know, make the transition even smoother. I've so, been really lucky. Yeah. So since then, what have you done in terms of being able to attract new clients to the front door? The biggest thing has just been networking my butt off. Other attorneys are the number one referral source of clients and where I have gotten some of the best clients that I've had and also some of the ones that have resulted in the highest fees and retainers. Just getting out there, letting people know what you do, what your niche is, what your specialty is, and returning the favor. So, I mean, my niche is pretty focused, and there's a lot of law I don't do. I don't do criminal. I don't do a lot of trial work. So there's plenty of cases that I hear about that I can send back their way. You know, I just um, read a post. I don't know if it was on the Maryland solo list or whether it was on Solo Says, the uh, ABA's solo list. But I just read a post where uh, somebody was indicating that in most state jurisdictions, um, the idea that an attorney can give tax advice to a client um, is a bad idea unless they have um, specific tax law training, such as the LLM you have, or or whether or not they're a CPA. I know you get a lot of divorce. I mean, I do a lot of divorces and a lot of estate planning attorneys. 
who very frequently are confronted with, well, what, what are the tax implications of doing that question from their clients? So mm-hmm. I imagine you, that's a, that's a perfect segue to say, well, let me have you talk to my friend Dana, who focuses on just that area. Definitely. And part of it too is sometimes it is that direct with actually going to the client, but sometimes it's just about giving someone 20 minutes of your time on the phone to walk them through their client's issues and just establishing that rapport with other professionals. Sure. Sure. I, mean, I can see where if you're giving that 20 minutes to, say, a family law attorney, um, later on, when they have somebody who has a more substantive tax problem, they're going to they're gonna look to you uh, to reciprocate your generosity. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of you have to give to get, it just in general. And the more that you put out, the more it comes back to you. Well, that sounds like that's working for you. I mean, you're doing a lot of, uh, you say networking. In what form are you doing that networking? Uh, you mentioned Facebook. So uh, I'm assuming like most of us now, you you have a social media presence. I do. And so with Facebook, it's kind of interesting because there's a couple parts to it. I have my firm's business page. And I'm working on building that up. I haven't been as good about posting on there as regularly as I could, but I'm building that up. But some of the best places I've found to be active on Facebook are in groups. Um, One of them I think you're also in is Nakia Gray's group, Beyond the Bar Institute. Absolutely, yeah. Oh my goodness. That is just such a wealth of information and such a great group of attorneys who are willing to help each other out and refer cases back and forth. Um, I love that group. And then also, I hang out in groups where my target clients are. So I'm involved in a lot of groups that are for creative entrepreneurs or for women business owners or artists and things like that. And when they have legal questions, I'll chime in with that general information and say, you know, if you want to talk about it further, shoot me a message and let's talk. I want to take a couple of minutes here and say thank you again to today's sponsors, Daylight by Market Circle and Spotlight Branding. What good are your skills as an attorney if you can't attract clients to your law firm? That's where my friends at Spotlight Branding have become invaluable. Spotlight Branding helps you build your internet foundation by focusing on the five pillars of your internet presence, namely your website, your electronic newsletter, social media, blogging, and video. I'm a a Spotlight Branding client, and by allowing Spotlight Branding to handle my presence on the internet, I'm able to devote my time to actually managing my practice and delivering high-quality legal services. Spotlight Branding works exclusively with lawyers and law firms and knows specifically how to make your practice shine such that your bottom line performance improves across the board. That is a tremendous value to me in terms of peace of mind and individual time management. And that brings us to Daylight by Market Circle. I also have been a Daylight user since I first opened my solo practice. As an Apple fanboy, Daylight is my choice as a generalized customer relations management or CRM tool. But it's much more than that for me and my practice. It really is my practice management software platform. With Daylight, I'm able to track all of my active projects or cases, link all the contacts associated with those cases and define their roles, track phone conversations and email concerning them, 
create, track, and assign tasks and appointments associated with the cases, and a whole host of other actions. It runs on my Mac and all my iOS devices and syncs flawlessly between all of them. I could not run my practice without daylight and wholeheartedly endorse them if you're looking to gain control over your practice. If you want more information on either Spotlight Branding or Daylight, go to our website, www.thelawentrepreneur.com, and navigate to our resources page. There you'll find a link that will take you directly to either or both companies' own websites, and you can see for yourself what they have to offer. Spotlight Branding and Daylight, I tell you what, I could not run my practice or live without them. So it, it, I, I find it interesting that there's a lot of attorneys who, um, uh, you know, I don't know if they look askance or, or, or they, they downplay the importance of a social media presence, and particularly things like Facebook. They say, well, you know, I'm a professional. I don't, I don't play around on Facebook. And I think they're missing the, the boat here because that's where the vast majority of the population is congregating these days you don't you're not able to necessarily go to you know the coffee shop and just hang out and meet clients there although starbucks is usually pretty busy <laughs> uh people are talking in in and around social media platforms it's so true and i mean one of the basic premises of advertising is go where your audience is so if you're Audience is people watching TV. You're going to put a commercial. If you're, it's people commuting. You're going to go to billboards or buses. For me, I'm looking at people who run online businesses for the most part. So I need to be online where they are. When they have a question, they're going and throwing it out there on Facebook to say either, "Does anyone know the answer?" or "Does anyone know someone who knows the answer?" Right. Well, and most people, their their research go to these days is. Facebook, Twitter, or just a Google search. Google, yep. It, 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 so it, it, unless you are present on those platforms, they're not going to hear you or you're not going to hear them. Exactly. So um, beyond that, do you do any face-to-face uh, type networking? Do you, do you go to your bar association meetings and that kind of thing? I do when I can. Uh-huh. Um, I do try to get out. You and I met at Solo Day. Yep, that's true. And so getting out and getting to talk to people that way has been great. Um, I do go to some mixers and things like that. I also do a lot of pro bono work uh, through the MBLS and some of the clinics. And that's also a good opportunity to meet and work with other attorneys who are also out there giving back. And Do you find that there's... Um, uh, you know, public kinds of networking events that are valuable to you, or is it more concentrated on the on the social media groups? For me, I think there's a lot of public places where I can go. Uh, even just craft fairs, art openings, those are all the types of people that are my target market. So getting out and talking to them helps. So you're going to set, set up a... Um... A legal booth at the Maryland Renaissance Festival, maybe? (laughs) You know, I have been actually thinking about trying to get involved in some of the events. So sort of a side note, but one of the things that's really interesting me right now is fashion law. Sure. And I was thinking about reaching out to the Umbrella, I think they're called the Umbrella Society or the Umbrella Group, but they run Baltimore Fashion Week. And 
I was thinking about reaching out to them to see if either I could do a booth or do some kind of talk or presentation to the fashion designers that come in where, you know, it would be free to them and try to network that way. Well, I will uh, just let you know, uh, my daughter is very, very active in the cosplay world, the Comic-Con and Kamikaze um, world. Shameless plug here, you can look her up at, at Miss Bernadette B. Um, but that's a that's a huge market that I think is underserved because I am always hearing of these artists at these cons who are grappling with various legal issues about contracts, about agreements, about non-competes and um, licensing and, and, and the like like that. So that's, that's another thing you might take a, a, a peek at. Absolutely. What- that's my wheelhouse. So that's that's been a lot of what I've been trying to do with this first year is really find those areas that take all of the basic knowledge that I have and find the ones that are be, aren't being served as well as they could be within that niche. And then, you know, you get knowledgeable about crazy things along the way that, you know, sure. us lawyers pick up from cases. But um, then once you you become the go-to person in that, what's that's been, really cool. What's been your biggest challenge? Your, your biggest difficulty? Marketing. Yeah. And I think that's a pain that a lot of solos face. It's easy to be a lawyer when you've done it for a few years. It's difficult to transition into the business of running a law firm. Well, and that's the reason this podcast exists is because even, you know, in in your case where you've gone beyond law school at an LLM, most of the law schools aren't teaching their graduates how to run the business. How anything about the business of law. And most of the people that we talk to, uh, that's their biggest lament. Like, you know, geez, now I got to go get clients. I don't know the first thing about marketing a a law firm. So um, hopefully that's a niche that that we help um, provide. Now, one of the things that I I think I mentioned uh, on our pre, I don't think I know I mentioned on our our pre uh, call chat, I love your. Uh, website. And you you were telling me that you did it yourself. Tell me a little bit more about that. I did. So I learned to code in my spare time a few years ago, and I knew I was going to build it myself, but it was a matter of figuring out where. I had some websites on WordPress, and I thought about doing it there, but I looked into Wix And it was just so user-friendly and so simple. And they had beautiful templates that you could start with. So I actually went with Wix, started with one of their templates, and then started tweaking it and customizing it with my own colors and photos and section headers. But it's just such an easy drag-and-drop interface. And it came out looking way better than anything I could have built from scratch. Well, we'll hook it up in our show notes here. But for those of you who can't wait for that, uh, take a quick peek at DM Law LLC dmlawllc.com, and you'll see what we're talking about in terms of um, Dana's website. And again, just referring back to my daughter, she did her web website uh, in Wix and had really not as much uh, technical training as you had. Uh, and she 
her website looks beautiful as well. So it's a really interesting platform is Wix, and I think people are doing some great things in it. The other thing I really liked, and this is the first I've seen, maybe you copied it from someone else or somewhere else, but it really caught my eye, is your legal services packages page. Mm -hmm. And tell our audience a little bit about that. So... I found that a lot of people have just sets of basic issues that sort of come together. And the idea of going to a lawyer and getting an hourly bill and not knowing how much time something will take can be really daunting. So what I've tried to do is simplify the process based on my experience to say, look, this is a legal issue you're facing and here are the services I offer for one flat rate. So for instance, one of my favorite ones that I'm promoting now as people are going back to school is one for college students to read through things like their loan documents, their financial aid packages, understanding their leases, if they're renting an apartment, and then they get all of that for one flat rate. Well, you know, having a prepackaged fixed fee legal service is in itself not new, but I, okay, I'm just going to you know, smooch all over this a little while longer. I, I just love these packages. Let me just you know share them with our audience. Your student package that you just spoke of, you know, addresses the needs of a student. Another one, a bridal package. How brilliant is that? Where no you, one realizes how many contracts are involved in a wedding. Oh, my God. It, and, and you've packaged these all up uh, into, you know, a, a nice little um, and, and, frankly, affordable package and I, I think this is brilliant. Thank you. Uh, that and your website review package and and so I, I encourage our, our listeners to um, to check that out. Uh, you may be in need of one of these services, one of these packages or you know somebody in need, send them uh, Dana's way. but I, I, I can foresee that uh, really catching on and being very popular in a lot of areas. so um, uh, well 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 played there. What role does, uh, when we're talking about um, uh, Wix and WordPress, what role does technology play in your practice as a solo? Technology is a huge part of my practice. From e-fax, you know, hardly any of us use a a connected fax line anymore. So all of my faxing is done electronically. Most of my conversations take place over email or over the phone now. And I have a really nice app on my phone that I use for my business line. It's called Sideline. Okay. And what it does is it gives you a number and it just goes through your cellular network. So when people call your number, it comes into your phone, but you don't have to have a second phone line. Oh, interesting. They all come to my cell phone. It has its own voicemail. I can toggle it on and off for business hours. So if it's after hours, they can get the after hours voicemail. And it's free. Oh, even better. And if you're worried about not using it or... It, like they have a thing where if you goes inactive for a certain amount of time, I don't know why a phone line would go inactive with how many calls we all make. But if if it did for some reason, you can pay ninety nine cents a month and keep it forever. Okay, so it's super affordable in comparison to getting another phone line or another cell phone or something like that. What and about then, um, you know practice management software? Do you have something that you? I use my case. My case. Okay, sure. And my clients love it. What drew you to that platform? 
So actually it was Nakia. <laughs> it okay. was her uh, video webinar tutorial of it, watching her go through the software. And I did a free trial with them and really just fell in love with how clean and easy to use it was. I like that I can upload drafts of documents in there. My client gets a notification, they can review it. Or if they want to sign it, and they can upload it back up. Or if I just want to put in my case notes, like I called the Maryland comptroller to check the status of your case, they'll call me back. I can just put that note in. So at any point, my client can go in and see what's happening on the case. And it's cut down the number of phone calls that I get asking what statuses are. Yeah, so the client portal is one of the main selling features for you. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And it also has billing built in. So you can keep your time in it. And if you wanted to, you could connect it to their billing program. But I actually use LawPay for credit card billing for my firm. Oh, so you actually bill through LawPay? I do. That's interesting because I, I, I collect, uh, take payments through LawPay, but I don't do the billing through them. Yeah, you can send invoices out through them. So typically what'll happen is I do the retainer. And then once the retainer is signed, I send them a request. And the request has the exact amount that they need to pay at that point, And then they can just click a link and pay it. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So that sounds terrific. Well, listen, uh, Dana, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. I, I do appreciate you taking the time. And uh, let our listeners know how they can reach you and what's the best place to look to see what you have to offer. So you mentioned earlier, my website is dmlawllc.com. And it's also dmlawllc on Facebook and Twitter. And my email is info at dmlawllc.com. Perfect. Well, um, I'm going to be keeping an eye on this and, and, and sending some of these uh, Comic-Con folks to you. Please to, do. to uh, review their websites. And of course, a whole bunch of them also are getting married, so they may need that as well. So this all looks good. Dana, thanks ever so much for being on The Law Entrepreneur, and I look forward to seeing you in the very near future. Same to you, Neil. Take care now. Bye. Once again, I'd like to thank our friends at Spotlight Branding and Market Circle for their sponsorship of the show this week. Spotlight Branding, helping to build your internet foundation and Market Circle, Makers of Daylight, a fantastic suite of Mac and iOS applications that help your small business grow. Visit our website at thelawentrepreneur.com slash resources and click on either or both Spotlight Branding or Daylight to learn more. And as always, be sure to visit our website at thelawentrepreneur.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Or like us on Facebook at The Law Entrepreneur or follow us on Twitter at Law Entrepreneur. Until next week, Thanks again for listening to The Law Entrepreneur.